third down and 20. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast, episode 25 coming at you, where without Lunas, uh, Lunas is an Eagles fan, by the way, and that'll just bring us into our first topic, Jake. We were talking about this guy at the beginning of the year. You were very adamant. Sell Carson Wentz. And what did the Eagles do, Jake? They sold. Ex- they did exactly as I said. They sold him. They got rid of his ass. They shipped him out to Indy. Sent him to middle of nowhere. Get him out of Philadelphia. He couldn't handle it. Um, like I said, you should have cut bait when you when he was value was high. But overall, I thought the Eagles. Did what they could. They got back, what, a second and a third? Is that what they got? But I think it's going to turn into a first as long as he plays like 75% of the snaps. Um, this happened early last week, so I think there's we're a little late to the party here. Um, but overall, in terms of fantasy, I think obviously Jalen Hurts is now the presumed quarterback in Philadelphia, which I think people saw coming. Uh, and in Indy, I think Carson Wentz really has a chance to revive his career here just because uh, he's going to have Jonathan Taylor behind him. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football in front of him, and he's got a very young weapon, two young weapons in Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman on the outside. Um, I think it's a really good situation for Carson Wentz uh, in Indy here. All right, so we'll we'll be real quick on this whole Carson Wentz thing, right? Um, Do you guys think right now I don't even know what Carson Wentz could be worth for a fancy team. Let's just say right now he's worth like a late first, maybe. What would you guys give up for him right now? I think one of those uh, picks right before Mac Jones. Um I I I think I'd rather have every other quarterback in the draft class right now, depending on landing spot, it seems like Maybe I can buy him for more than Mac Jones. I don't know. I, I think that I'm a little bit out on Carson Wentz, and this is coming from someone that really liked Carson Wentz. I, I'm not going to trade draft picks to acquire Carson Wentz. Maybe if I can acquire him in a deal where where players are getting thrown left and right, that's how I'd buy him. But aside from that, I really can't see myself paying a first-round pick to buy him. I I personally think he's probably worth like a, a, a late first this year, like pick 111, 112. I mean, maybe you could get the owner to sell you for an early second. I doubt it now that he's got traded to Indianapolis. They're probably high on him. But my real question, and what I'm trying to get to the bottom of is, do you think Carson Wentz's value one year from today is going to be higher or lower than it is currently? What do you guys think? Jake's saying higher. Frank? I think it's going to be about the same. About the same. I'm going to actually, I guess... We'll all be on different spots here. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be lower. I just think, like, right now people are buying into the hype of, like Jake said, he's on a new team, best offensive line, got weapons, all that stuff. But it doesn't matter if Carson Wentz can't perform. And if he can't perform, the Colts are going to be like, see ya, we've got, like, so many all pros on our team, and we just have, like, an incredible roster. Like, we're not going to waste time on you uh, if you're not good and you're not going to lead us to the Super Bowl. Because let's be honest, the Colts could could really win the Super Bowl. Like, they're one of the teams that could win the Super Bowl. Um, and it's just, it doesn't make sense to spend time on Carson Wentz. Um, the only other part of this trade, so I guess we're all on different parts there. Um, Jake mentioned Jalen Hurts, right? I don't, I'm one still quick, not one, before, we, before we touch on Jalen Hurts, one quick thing on 
uh, on Carson Wentz here is I don't think his value can get any lower than it is right now. The guy was a second overall pick in the draft. He had an almost MVP season before he got hurt. To get him for an early second, late first, I think is very low. Um, and I just think he has just all the weapons to succeed. The one thing I will say, though, is I think the Colts will have him on a short leash. And it's because of the trade that he's involved in. If he starts 75% of the snaps at quarterback this season, that second-round pick turns into a first-round pick. If they, if he's not performing up to what they think, I think there's a good chance they bench him, even if it's for you know Jacoby Brissett uh, or whoever they have as their backup quarterback um, moving into next year, uh, just because they won't want to give up that first-round pick. But to take the flip side, you, you said they're going to have a short leash for him, but like you said, his value can't be lower. If he's not the starter, like his value is gone. Like he's he's going to be worth less than Jimmy Garoppolo if they pull the leash on him. Like and Jimmy I, I mean, I I personally don't think the leash actually gets pulled. I think he will be better than he was in Philadelphia. But I'm just saying, I think there it that's the opposite side i think he will have a short leash due to this trade and the, the potential of it turning into a first round pick i don't think it actually happens but i'm just throwing that out there all right and are on the flip side with the philadelphia eagles are we convinced jalen hurts is the starter because i'm not you're not you're shaking your head frank do you think jalen hurts is like definitely going to be a starter or at least like 80 percent chance he's going to be the starter I, I think I'd lean on him being the starter. I think right now, for me, why, like, let's just think of it. Why are we hearing that the Eagles want their pick to be a quarterback in the media is because I think they want to trade out. I think that the Eagles are a team, they're so wildly over the cap, they have a ton of dead money, that they're a team, they need draft picks. They need more talent, young talent, cheap talent. How do you do that? You say, Hey, I'm going to take a quarterback, and then all of a sudden, a team that actually needs a quarterback, like the your rival, the Washington football team, has to give a whole lot more to go and get their guy. Let's just say that Justin Fields is on the board at six. You've been putting out the rumors, hey, we, we might take him. All of a sudden, that price keeps going up. A couple teams start calling. So I think right now, for me, it's all smoke. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they took a quarterback. But I'm not panic-selling Jalen Hurts because I believe they are going to take a quarterback. If I'm someone that likes Jalen Hurts' talent, then I'm not selling him. It's a whole different question if you think that Jalen Hurts should be a starting quarterback or not. And I think that that is the question you should be asking yourself as an owner, not are the Eagles going to draft a quarterback. I, I just think... You put up a good point. If Justin Fields is there at six, which I don't think he'll drop that far, but if he does, I, I do think you got to take him there. I, I'm just a Justin Fields truther, I think, at this point, though. <laughs> but, uh, Jake, you got anything to add before we move on? I agree with you. You don't pick this high in the draft that many times. Um, I just think, also, I, I wasn't a fan of, of Jalen Hurts coming into the NFL. I thought he was kind of a gadget quarterback, kind of, you know, Taysom Hill-like, obviously it's not the same because um, they're a little bit different there. Taysom Hill's faster, um, but, you know, they're both runners that are okay passing the ball. Um, I don't know. I just think if you got, like, an elite prospect there, I think even if Trey Lance is there at six, like, I, I think you just got to take him, a guy that has such a high potential. 
Uh, I, I just think it's just a move to, to move on from Jalen Hurts because I didn't see his game translating to the NFL, and I still don't, um, even with his success that happened last season. Before we move on, I do want to say something real quick about Jalen Hurts because I, I, like Jake, wasn't huge on Jalen Hurts coming into the NFL, but after watching the Eagles, um, I did a film analysis on the channel about the Eagles' offense with Wentz, and even then I said, I'm not sure that Jalen Hurts makes his football team better. He did make that football team better. And it was mainly because of his ability to stretch the field with his arm and because he was so good throwing off platform, which I really didn't expect out of him. When, when we saw Carson Wentz, he was not able to get out of the pocket consistently. And the times he did, he wasn't stretching the field. He wasn't stretching a defense. Defenses were able to blitz the Eagles. Blitz, you know, Teams were blitzing the Eagles. I believe it was 17% more than like any season in the past three years. So all of a sudden when Jalen Hurts comes into that, they tried that same game plan. It didn't work. I, I liked Jalen Hurts, and I really like what I saw. You know, the, the one reason I don't think if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm taking a quarterback is quarterback is not the, the issue of that, that offense. The issue of that offense is they went from having one of the best offensive lines in the league in 2017 to having one of the most atrocious groups I've ever seen watching film. You know, you had a, a group of receivers that were extremely inconsistent. Just look at the Alshon Jeffrey play that we, we brought up on that film analysis against the Browns. He, he jumped and landed before the football got to him, and it ended up as, a, as an interception. I'm not sure you can really justify... I can understand they take quarterback the whole, oh, we don't pick up here... If I'm the Eagles and I actually want to start winning football games, I need to rebuild what my football team was based around. We need to be able to run the football, we need to be able to protect the quarterback, and we need an actual number one receiver that is a threat in the red zone. Until they have that, I don't think they should take a quarterback. The one thing I will say, though, about what you just said is, one, I like the receivers that I think are going to be available at the top of the second round when they pick again. I think they'll be able to get a very nice receiver at that pick. Also, their offensive line is coming back from injury. They're going to get Brandon Graham back. They're going to get uh, uh, Kelsey back, I believe. Like, they're going to get pieces... Oh, Kelsey retired, didn't he? Whatever. The point is that they're going to get pieces of this offensive line back. And the reason, like you said, that... Hertz made this offense better was his ability to escape the pocket. I don't think that necessarily carries over into next season. Like their like you said, their offensive line was such a shit show that it just made Carson Wentz so ineffective while Car- uh, while Jalen Hurts actually can thrive in these, you know, almost backyard football style plays where everything is just broken down and a mess. The the last thing I'll add and then we can move on is and I don't know who this is an argument really for, like which side, but if the Eagles do decide to pick a quarterback at six, what do they, what do, they do with Jalen Hurts? I mean, I, I think you'd probably have a quarterback competition, but then are you like, are you trading Hurts too? Like, are you trying to get more value for that? I just, I don't know what their plan is. They're kind of, the, the issue is just the top down from, from the Eagles. Uh, so they probably have a long way to go. And with that, we'll just move on. Um, to our next segment, this is something interesting that we are looking in on. We want to see, we did our own rankings um, of, of the, all the Dynasty players. 
And we want to see where we landed against consensus. So, Frank, if you want to break down, like, what we saw, feel free. So, uh, let's start off with the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, um, we were mostly on par. The biggest difference that I saw was we have Kyler as a consensus QB2, whereas keep trade cut, that's what we're using as our consensus um, for the public. Um, keep trade cuts a really popular trade calculator in dynasty rankings. It's all crowdsourced. So um, they have Kyler at QB five. Quite a you know not a ton of jump on the value, but in terms of a startup draft, man, like I, I really can't see myself taking any other player with the third pick or second pick. Other than Kyler, I think Josh Allen's really the only one that really gives me any consideration. Besides that, I'm not taking Watts. I'm not taking any of those guys. And you guys tended to agree with me. I think only Jake had Josh Allen above Kyler in our rankings. Every single I'm not, JT, I think you updated them, so I'm not sure if you know. Are do you have Kyler over uh, Josh Allen? I think Kyler is two, and Josh Allen is three for me. Okay, so. Three of us out of four have Kyler as QB2, which, compared to QB5, pretty pretty decent jump there. Um, other than that, it was pretty standard. Um, I guess the other only big one, we had Jameis at QB29 versus Consensus QB23. But then again, it's like a bottom kind of of the barrel quarterback. I'm not terribly surprised that we have some guys like that. Uh, we are slightly higher on Dak Prescott as well. We are higher on Russell Wilson. Um, on Keep Trade Cut, the consensus is that Joe Burrow is valued over Russell Wilson. We have that flopped around, and I really like that, that we have Russell Wilson valued over Joe Burrow by a decent margin. Our average rank is at 8. Joe Burrow's 9.33. But other than that, it is pretty standard stuff. You guys have anything to add? Yeah, I mean... I think that the big thing was the difference or the value that the consensus is placing on age. I know we talked about this right before hopping on here, but the fact that Joe Burrow is is consensus above Russell Wilson is just mind-blowing to me. Russell Wilson has been doing it, performing at a top, you know, top 7, 8 quarterback for the past 5, 6 years. He's 32 years old, which for quarterbacks nowadays is not that old. He has a good at least 3-year outlook. Um, while Joe Burrow's only done it for, what, 11 games? How, 12 games? Um, I think he got hurt. Um, I, like, obviously, like, the age is a consideration in rankings, but to just straight out disregard all the things that Russ has done in his career, I think is, one, disrespectful to him, and not a way to win Dynasty Championships. Yeah, and if you, if you guys don't mind... I think now would actually be a good time to do a little keep the floor because I have something I want to kind of rant about for, I don't know, a couple minutes and get off my chest. But I was talking to you guys earlier today. We just happened to get into a discussion. Frank was looking at keep trade cut, um, and he saw Jonathan Taylor was ranked RB2, right? And so that got me thinking about what's going on with, like, all these, like, trade calculators and consensus and whatnot. So I did a little bit of research. If you go into... Google and you search Dynasty Football Trade Calculator, right? There are three top results that'll come up, right? One is Keep Trade Cut, one is called Dynasty Process, and one's called like Dynasty 101, right? And that's how I'll refer to them real quick. So I was like, wow, 
Jonathan Taylor is ranked so high. I wonder what it would take for me to trade for him for someone like A.J. Brown, if I wanted to pivot to A.J. Brown, right? So on keep trade cut, according to keep trade cut, for Jonathan Taylor, it would take A.J. Brown and a 2022 mid-second is what keep trade cut says you should trade. According to Dynasty 101, it says Jonathan Taylor is worth A.J. Brown plus Melvin Gordon. Then according to Dynasty process, it says Jonathan Taylor is worth A.J. Brown plus pick 109 in the 2021 draft plus Marquise Hollywood Brown. So it's just like the value in the trade calculators is wildly different. While he like, you know, could disparage one player and boost up another player. And it's just something that people have to really, 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 really pay attention to. Because if you're looking at one calculator and look, I like calculators. I think they're a good idea to give you a baseline value of players. So like when you offer someone a trade, like, like you could at least see like, you know, it's like not an assaulting offer and you're also not getting screwed over by spending like way too much for a player. Uh, you know, kind of keeping negotiations open and keeping yourself safe trading. But if you're only using one calculator, like you might be losing out on a lot of value or, or you might be trying to make someone overpay a lot. So it's definitely something that people have to look into if you're going to use Dynasty football calculators. It's something I am an advocate of because it does give you a baseline value, but something I'd also caution and warn people about. That was my take to the floor. I don't know if you guys have anything to build on that. All right, cool. That's, that's my little rant of Dynasty off the chest. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on with with uh, J.K. Dobbins, perhaps, Zeke? Um, no, we'll, Jake, we'll get into the running backs next. We're on the quarterbacks now. Let's just finish up the quarterbacks. Okay. Um, aside from that, I think we are – no, we're about consensus on Jalen Hurts. Um, everyone else is pretty standard. We're, we're up on Tom Brady a few spots. Um, I think that's that age bias that I was just talking about again. I, lastly, I think the only two players that are wildly different, now these are kind of bottom-of-the-end guys, uh, Taysom Hill we have at around 26, 27. Um, on, on keep trade cut, I believe he's somewhere in the 30s. So clearly we think that Taysom Hill has a much better shot at being the starting quarterback for the Saints than consensus. And then lastly, I found that we are higher on Taylor Heineke. We have Taylor Heineke tied for 35, where Keep Trade Cut doesn't even have him on the website. Um, I'm personally a fan of Taylor Heineke. I am trying to buy him for scraps anywhere I can. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a groundbreaking quarterback, but in terms of possible dart throw quarterbacks, especially at the back end of a startup, which we're going to talk about startups in a little bit, man, if I'm drafting after the 16th round, I'm drafting complete dart throws anyway, so give me someone that I at least believe in, right? Uh, I think Taylor Heineke is a guy that should definitely be on people's radar, especially if you can pick him up for some fab. Um, anything, you guys got anything else to say on the quarterbacks? No, that was a good job. I mean, I'm the Taylor Heineke owner in our league. Uh, not to blow his horn, like, too much, but, like, it's difficult to just get thrown into a playoff game and then, you know, play as well as he did against the Bucs. Um, he's also got the connection with Ron Vera. I know people point to um, Kyle Allen for that connection, but, like, Taylor Heineke was with Rivera in Washington, too. That That's it. That's it. I, it 
those, those are always good players to it doesn't have to be the Taylor Heineke's of the world but you should always be looking at those kind of dart throw quarterbacks because like if you could get one of the 32 starting NFL quarterbacks, like, that guy just goes up in value incredibly. Like, we saw it with Jalen Hurts. No one really thought Jalen Hurts would be taken over for Carson Wentz. He did. Now he's worth way more. It's just something that you got to always be mindful of when you're doing dynasty football. But, yeah, I think then we can move on. So, I kind of jumped the jumped it. <laughs> Frank, what are we talking about with J.K. Dobbins, us first consensus? So, something I found very interesting when looking at trade calculators as well is that we are lower we are either lower or on consensus for every single rookie running back aside from jk dobbins jk dobbins is the one running back that we are higher on than consensus take that how you how you will um to me if i'm a jk dobbins owner that means i'm not selling and if if i'm a guy they can pick up J.K. Dobbins at, at a fair price. It's going to be tough with how much hype he's getting. But to me, J.K. Dobbins seems like one of those guys that actually is worth the hype. I, I think what's interesting about us is, you know, not to get too in deep into us and like what our thinking is, but right, like I think... Other than maybe Frank, I'm probably the biggest Jonathan Taylor believer in our league. And I'm, like, definitely the biggest DeAndre Swift believer in our league. And even I don't, like, love them being ranked as RB2 and 5. Like, I'm like, oh, that's that's good for me, like, having them ranked so high. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And if I'm the biggest believer, like, I just think that means rookie hype has really, really taken over um, consensus and everyone else. So... If you have one of those guys pivoting to someone else that, you know, might be undervalued plus another piece plus another draft pick or something, I don't think that's out of the question. I don't think that'd be a bad move if you want to move a DeAndre Swift for a a cool wide receiver plus something. Like, definitely something that I'd be looking into. Um Anything else you guys want to add about the rookies before we get on to some Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Jonathan Taylor because, you know, I've I've been a huge Jonathan Taylor fan. Um, before the podcast started, I was saying to our league mates, some of my buddies had 101, and I was saying, listen, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor, even in a super flex league, over Joe Burrow. I like his talent. I like the fit in Indy. And when he got drafted and started playing, all of a sudden I – I'm reading on the Dynasty sub. Oh, he's Trent Richardson. He can't see. He's terrible. And the he only... has no eyes, Frank. Do you know Jonathan Taylor has no eyes? <laughs> Me and JT, I felt like we're, we're the ones that just kind of kept a level head about it. I still had the same rating I had on him coming out. I still was not going to sell low. And now we've seen the flip side of things. He starts playing well. He gets a lot of carries. He has some good games. I'm still level-headed about it. I still have the same rating that I had on him coming out. I still have him slightly behind guys like Nick Chubb. Um, and I, I just feel like the hype has just gone, and the roller coaster of Jonathan Taylor has just gotten so crazy. I feel like I'm the only one that's like, what the hell happened last night? Like, this guy went from being a consensus bust to a consensus stud in in one season, in like half a season, it was ridiculous. 
in like um, five games. <laughs> it was five games. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, just, I feel like I'm the, the only the one season. that has been looking from outside of the box being like, yeah, well, he's a good player, but I'm not going to draft him over Saquon. Like, let's just be realistic here. I understand Saquon has the injuries. I understand that, you know, Jonathan Taylor looked really good, but just look at it from the level of prospects that they were. Saquon, generational talent. Jonathan Taylor, very good talent, not generational level. To me, I've seen them both succeed to the level that I thought that they were capable of. I've seen them both improve. I don't understand why all of a sudden Jonathan Taylor is consensus over Saquon and even reaching this height of McCaffrey. I I just don't see it. Maybe I'm blind, maybe I'm the idiot, but I just, I don't see it. I mean, we don't have to spend that much time on him, but like... I kind of agree with you to a point where it's like, it's 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 a false equivalency, right? But when Jake and I were on a podcast around Thanksgiving, we were talking about players to buy heading into a playoff push, right? And I said David Montgomery because I knew he was going to be playing like the Packers and I think also, I forget who Texans. else they played. Yeah, Texans who have terrible <laughs> run defense. And I was like, you know, like yeah, anyone that plays the Texans run yeah. defense had a hundred yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, that's fun. the other thing we got to think about. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry play the Texans twice. That's what, that's right? where I'm getting at. That's that's where I'm getting at, right? Because like David Montgomery played so those teams. So conspiracy theory, basically, Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor are basically just David Montgomery if he ha- if they had a better schedule. And James Robinson too. <laughs> We're getting, a little, we're, getting a little tin foil, we're getting a little tinfoil hat, but yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I, just, I just think, like, you know, like, Jonathan Taylor had an incredibly easy end of the schedule where he played the, the Texans, the Jaguars. They had, like, Steelers were a tough defense in the beginning of the year, but they lost, like, their starting linebackers, so they had a, a much worse run defense at we the end of the year. We lost eight starting linebackers, it <laughs> felt like. Yeah. You only and, have three starting linebackers, Frank. <laughs> And, we and lost the safety their... that we converted to linebacker. Like... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, don't get me wrong. I love Jonathan Taylor. He showed that like he could actually catch the ball, and like he, vision isn't actually an issue, and he is a very good running back. But we, like, keep trade cut has him in a tier with Christian McCaffrey, and like when Christian McCaffrey is healthy. That man is just a cheat code. Like, he's so different. Than, like, Jonathan Taylor is never going to put up 35. I mean, he did it one time against Jacksonville end of the season. But he's not typically going to put up 35 points like Christian McCaffrey is going to do week in, week out. Like Christian uh, McCaffrey, like, averages 35 points. The dude yeah. is an actual cheat <laughs> so, like, code. We just got to pump the brakes on the rookies, I think, what we're getting at. There are... I, I will, like, caveat this with, like, there are rookies that i am willing to go out and overpay for um i personally i didn't do this but someone in our league did go out and what was considered at the time an overpay for aj brown has proven to work out and you know someone like justin jefferson that might be the same thing this year who knows so you gotta kind of find the happy medium but like with the hype when the hype is this crazy like it's tough for me to you know send a lot of assets over for someone that's so hyped up um all right how about the veteran running backs? What about us first consensus there? So we are, this surprised me actually a lot. We are like four or five spots ahead of consensus on Ezekiel Elliott. So apparently we are more buying into the Ezekiel Elliott bounce back. Um, I, like 
I am very on and off with Ezekiel Elliott. I, I'm an owner of Ezekiel Elliott, and I've been looking to sell for a decent price. But, I, I mean, I can't deny the fact that he could be a great buy for his price. If you can get him for, I mean, right now he's around like a James Robinson. And James Robinson, while he's good, is nowhere near the talent level of Zeke. I understand that Zeke has a lot of red flags, and I buy into those red flags. It's just, I, the way that I ranked my running backs is I broke it out into hypothetical categories, tiers, and to me, Zeke fell into low-end RB1 with question marks. No, not low, RB1 with question marks, not low-end running back with major question marks. So, you know, I, I hate this, I hate it, I hate being the guy that's like, oh, well, they didn't have the offensive line, oh, well, they didn't have Dak Prescott. I personally feel like he's lost a step, but those factors do matter for him. I, I can see it, and there gets to a point where the guy is just being so battered by everyone that he could be a great buy, especially if you're a team that has that that just wants to get that last push maybe of an aging roster. You give up your first-round pick. It might only take a single contender first to get him at this point. Yeah, I'm... I'm the one that was the lowest on us for the rankings. And I think I, I've prefaced this before and talked about Zeke a little bit, where, like what Frank's basically saying, where, you know, he was missing the line and everything. I'm kind of wary of buying into that talk. I, I just, I am the lowest on Zeke, so I'm not necessarily willing to go out and buy Zeke. Um, but if you are a believer in Zeke and you think he's going to, to even bounce back to be, you know, 75%, 80% is good. That's someone that could be a league winner. Like, you could go out and you... If if you're going out and you're spending pick 112, you're not getting a better running back than Zeke at 112. So, automatically, I'd say that's that's a good deal. Because there, there's... Unless Javante Williams manages to fall all the way down there in Superflex, which I don't think he will by the time the actual rookie draft happens. Like, give me Zeke over any remaining running backs. And you could really make probably make a solid league push to win your championship if, if Zeke's even 80% as good as what he was. So it's not a bad idea if you're a believer. Personally, though, I'm just not a believer. Jake, anything else you want to add? I personally am of the belief that you know Zeke will bounce back. I agree with Frank that I think he's lost a step. I don't think he'll ever be as good as we saw you know, two years ago when he was like running back one by, or uh, running back two in a tier of his own with McCaffrey, um, but I think he does bounce back. I think he will be, you know, a top twelve running back, running back one um, next year, uh, and I think that that alone warrants him being what we have him at. Consensus is run. Well, our our average is running back twelve, which I think is very fair. For a guy that has a lot of question marks, but the upside is so high also. So overall, I, I think we we nailed that one, in my opinion. And I think, like you said, he's worth that late-end first-round pick if uh, for a contender. All right. Anything else we got to add for... Uh... No? We're, we're good on that? Um. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty good. Uh, All right. We are slightly lower on Austin Eckler. Um, Who I kind of like. I don't. 
don't know. I'm iffy on Austin Eckler. I, I think he could be a potential low-end running back one, high-end running back two. And at the price he's at, he's not currently rated that. Yeah, but. I think just real quick, um, I think we're higher on Tony Pollard. Um, that, I think, Mostert. is a good buy. I think Tony Pollard is a good buy. Because, um, like I said earlier, I'm not as big of a Zeke believer. And, and to get that starting running back of the future for the Cowboys for not starting running back value, I think that's a good buy. Um, all right. But other than that, let's move on then to this will be our final segment, right? It's the startup strategies. And this is something that Frank's wanted to do for a little while now. So I'll, I'll toss it to Frank to uh, get us going. All right, yeah, so I'm just going to start going. You can cut me off whenever you want. So the first strategy that I'm going to be talking about, this is a strategy that I employed for the 3rd and 20 Dynasty team that uh, was kind of a failed segment. It was We started it before the Dynasty podcast. But basically, the strategy was coming into the draft, quarterbacks very early it's a super flex startup if you're if you're not doing a super flex league you might as well just do one because it's much better than normal old dynasty um but yeah so super flex draft our rule was we are taking two quarterbacks within the first four rounds preferably round one and round two i am a big proponent of quarterbacks win you championships i think we saw a clear example of it last year with especially in the beginning of the season quarterbacks just completely carrying teams um, to wins, they, they score way more points than any other position. And if you have that top dog, my God, do you just start racking it up? So for me, we ended up taking Mahomes and Russell Wilson in picks one and two. Um, in our draft, they, they both fell to us. Um, we, we ended up picking pick two, which is ridiculous. The fact that Mahomes should ever go pick two, even last year. So, Really quickly, in the first round, I'll kind of like mumble, like combine two segments we were going to do, players to target and strategies. So for this strategy, and for any strategy I will ever do in a Superflex League, this year my board would look like Mahomes obviously at 1, Kyler at 2, Josh Allen at 3, Watson at 4. If I cannot get one of those guys, I will try to trade down. And if I... Towards the end of the first round, if I cannot trade down to the end of the first round to take one of these guys that will be there at the end of the first round, I will take Lamar at 6, Dak at 7, Wilson at 8. One of those 8 players should be available with any first round pick I have or can trade into. And that is my first round for the startup, right? Second round, the other... One of those quarterbacks, if they are there in the second round, I take them. It's simple. Other than that, try to go BPA, which is usually why I like to call this strategy the one running back strategy. I will try to target a running back that I like that has fallen. Most years, it is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the most consistent RB1 you can find. He has a great workload. Um, he's usually healthy. And the guy is just an absolute stud. Um, so I, I like to call it the one running back strategy. We go quarterbacks two at minimum in the first four rounds. I like to try and go them back to back. Uh, if I don't go a quarterback in the second, I'll try to pick up one of those running backs that fall. And then we transition towards the middle of the draft. I like to use usually rounds three, rounds five, 
sometimes round six. Last year we were able to pick up Stephon Diggs in round six, so it was good value. It does depend on the value to pick up receivers. I think if you can build yourself a very high-quality receiving core in the middle of the draft, not only does it improve the floor of your team, it adds some longevity to your team. So you're not completely risking it all on running backs and having to deal with that variance of busting. So even, like, we picked up Mike Evans in the third round, which looking back was a bad pick. It, he's still a good player on our team. We made the championship, and he was there the entire championship run, and he's still a very good player for your dynasty team. So that's why I kind of like filling out the middle of the draft with my receivers. Running backs, we decided that we are taking our second running back round seven and beyond. Looking back at the strategy, I think I would tailor that around earlier. I think that my second running back, I would like to go round six and beyond. Just try and fill it in BPA. And then lastly, I've always had this strategy. I pick tight ends for value. I will look at a tight end that I want. Last year, it was Noah Font. I will look at his ADP. Last year, it was the end of round eight, somewhere around round nine, right? Somewhere eight, nine, seven, late seven. And I will go and trade up for him or pick him half a round early. You know, I'll have one tight end that I heavily target and then a backup tight end, you know, one or two backups, and I will target those guys just for their value. And I will be very happy about it. Other than that, um, I'll kind of go into my rules for all startups, and then we can kind of go into what you guys think and, and other strategies. So the first rule yeah, I just hold, said, tight end for value. One second. To cut you off, uh, a couple things that, you know, people that might not, this might be them, like, looking into a super flex league and, like, how to draft and everything. So when you say BPA, that means best player available, right? Yes, best player yeah, available. Best player available. And when we're talking, like, like for value and we see ADP, like, what would you recommend is, like, a good place to, like, kind of get values for players, right? Like, for for me, like, for it's free. Keep Trade Cut gives you, like, a solid dynasty rankings. It's, it's not precise and it's not going to be an actual ADP, but it does kind of show you how players are ranked. If you want to pay, no we're not in the business of advertising yet, but <laughs> Dynasty League Football has a su subscription um, that gives you a complete set of ADPs for both Superflex and 1QB. So that's definitely some kind of toolkit that you're going to want to get started before you do your startup draft. Sorry, Frank, uh, cut you off. No, there, yeah, but... that's, that's a good point. So for me, I just like looking at startup drafts. I'll go on Reddit, onto the Dynasty subreddit, um, if I'm struggling to find some, I will make a post saying, hey, these are my league settings. If anyone has a startup with this league settings, please toss it in here. I would really love to see it. And you'll usually get some responses. Other than that, you can use the search filter. Just type in Superflex TE Premium Startup, and you'll at least get a handful that'll come up. Um, yeah, like you said, so that that's how I like to find ADP. I'll usually just take the average from what I see slightly leaning towards some of the higher people because obviously everyone's rankings are going to differ but okay going back to my rules for startup tight end for value kind of like what i said earlier quarterbacks early like i said earlier so i saw this is interesting i'd never really had this rule before but drafting young has proven success according to data analytics and i do not mean draft rookie and second year players i mean draft young players 
I think a perfect example of this is Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is what I call the pseudo-vet. And the pseudo-vet is a player that has a great three-year outlook. For me, the farthest I will ever look on a player is three years in the future. You cannot predict more than three years in the future. I don't care who it is. You just can't. So Patrick Mahomes? Dude, Andrew you Luck. don't know what's going to happen in three years. Exactly. Like, anything can happen in three years. What if Andy Reid, you know, retires and all of a sudden their team sucks or something? You can't predict what's going to happen three years down the future. I don't care how good they are. Or Mahomes And Mahomes decides. is going one anyway. So, yeah. like, <laughs> but like not much could, to think about. <laughs> he could decide to join a monastery and become a monk or something or a priest. <laughs> Just give up football. So, yeah. Um, we saw that with Andrew Luck. Not the same, but similar. Calvin Ridley, great ADP. He has proven success. He's still a young player with a good three-year outlook. So I think these pseudo-vets are good. And then the other rule that I have since added after just doing multiple startups is this happens every draft. There is a player that will just randomly fall. And there is no rhyme or explanation for it, right? Last year in a startup draft I was in, it was Stefan Diggs. I took him, and it panned out. Two years ago, I was in a draft. It was DJ Moore. And whoever took him, it was a phenomenal pick. You will see that there is one of these players that just randomly falls like a full round up below or above their ADP, whatever it is for them falling in the draft. Take that player. It, like, always pans out. I don't know why it happens. It just does. Be the smart person. Don't overthink it. Unless you absolutely hate that player. Like, for me, Kenyon Drake. He was getting drafted around the 4th and 5th of startups. He could have fell to me in the 19th round. I would not have picked him. But if it's a player that you're just average on, just don't overthink it. Just take him. You can have all these stupid little strategies, but the one that always prevails is playing like water. Just be flexible. You know, if you're going into the draft thinking, oh, you know, I'm I'm taking Lamar at four. And then all of a sudden, a, a clearly better player is there. Just don't be an idiot. Just take the clearly better player. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you've really given some very helpful insight into what a super flex startup should look like, what your draft strategy should be. Um, now, Jake and I were kind of debating this earlier before the podcast right and i think we kind of both agree that like your first round pick should kind of dictate your draft philosophy at least like a general idea but we kind of go about it different ways of interpreting it and who's to say who's right who's wrong yet but my thought process is if you're going to go and you're going to pick a christian mccaffrey in the first round and you're not going to pick a quarterback like your your time to win, in my opinion, and Jake can then rebut this, but your your time to win, in my opinion, is, is now. Like, you've got two, maybe three years of just uh, assuming he's healthy, like a cheat code at the position where you should be, you know, kind of more targeting those kind of veteran players that are likely going to be falling a little bit due to their age. So, like, like an Aaron Rodgers, like a, a Tom Brady for quarterbacks, um, you know, not necessarily just going veterans and old players that are going to be out of the league in a couple of years, but like you could get some really decent points value at those positions at that time. 
Uh, I think Jake has a, a different philosophy in regards of maybe play it safer if, if you want to go and kind of give your idea on that, Jake. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit. I think we might have been talking past each other a little bit before, but like I, like I said, if like JT said, if you take Christian McCaffrey, your window to win starts now. It started actually two years ago. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but in that case, you have to build a team around Christian McCaffrey that is also capable of winning now. That means you're not going to want to take a, a developmental guy or a guy that has an iffy future. Um, maybe their quarterback might retire as a receiver, and you don't want to go that way. Like If, if you take Christian McCaffrey, I would not want to take Michael Thomas, who we don't know what's happening with Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, guys that are very uncertain. I would be more inclined to take, you know, a Russell Wilson who's who's going to come out and he's going to put up, you know, around QB 7 to 10 every single year for the next 3 to 4 years pretty pretty steadily. I think that gives you a just a high floor team around Christian McCaffrey that it really boosts your chances to win. I think, you know, trying to swing for the fences on on drafting over drafting a rookie and hoping he's the next, you know, Jonathan Taylor or hoping he's the next um, Justin Jefferson is just a move that I would not do if I took Christian McCaffrey in the first round just because if he busts, then your window to win is, is over. You've, 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 you've lost it. It's done. There's no chance to coming back from that. You would have to sell Christian McCaffrey and, and, and start over immediately. Yeah, so one of you guys said before the episode, and this is just so true for startups, the first couple of rounds of the draft, three to four rounds, you draft to not lose because that is the point of the draft if you fuck up one of those picks really badly you are screwed for years to come i'm in a league poor guy drafted andrew luck at pick eight and he's never recovered his team you just lose so much value you win in rounds five and beyond like in our league we picked up stefan diggs and then in the rookie draft that was separate, by the way, I never recommend doing a league where your startup and rookie drafts are separate. It really screws everything up, and it's stupid. But we won because we were able to pick up Stefan Diggs in the sixth and and um, Justin Jefferson at pick 11 in our start in the rookie draft, the separate rookie draft. So th that's something you really have to keep in mind. Like You don't want to be going crazy balls-to-the-walls risky with your first-round pick. Which is why I always try to take a good quarterback. I have targeted Russell Wilson in every startup I've done for like the past three years. And it has never failed me. I have him in so many leagues and he is so damn consistent for his price. You won't find a better player. Um, and that's why I also never take a receiver in the first round. It seems like every damn year we got a new top receiver. Oh, it's this guy. Oh, it's that guy. Like, okay, then I just won't take the top one. Like, <laughs> easy money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was the one that said it before the draft, but that's like my golden rule. You can't win a league in the first four rounds, but you could definitely lose a league in the first 100%. four rounds. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. If you miss on if you miss on one of the first two and two out of the top four rounds, your your team is just not looking good. You're you're going to be struggling to recover, like you said with the guy that took Andrew Luck. I mean, that's just an unfortunate situation. You couldn't predict Andrew Luck retiring out of nowhere. But even if the guy just busts or, is, you know, has a season-ending injury and never recovers fully, like, 
you could definitely lose a league in the first four rounds, but you will never win a league. Like Frank said, you win a league in that, you know, rounds six, seven, eight, nine, t- even ten in a startup where that's the meat of your roster. That's your depth of your roster. If you really hit on those guys, you'll have a bunch of trade assets and a, a deep team that no one's going to really want to mess with. Yeah, I mean, so a couple points. One, I'll just build off what you were saying. Like, it happens every year. It's kind of hard to identify, but then again, not as much. Like, just think in recent times, Todd Gurley, OBJ, Zeke, uh, they're probably players that are drafted in the top couple rounds that have now, uh, we're seeing them get drafted much, much later than that. Um, So it's very important to really analyze, kind of scrutinize these players. I mean, don't go into a crazy amount where you talk yourself out of certain picks that are probably a smart move, but it's definitely something that you want to look into. Um, But going back, Frank, you touched on something that I want to talk about. It's kind of off topic a little bit, but you said the Superflex draft, the startup draft, and the rookie draft were separate, which I definitely think is a bad idea to do. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't really make sense. My question is, though, if you're in a league that wants to draft right now, which I'm sure a lot of leagues do, like you probably were in just your normal fantasy football league, or you're switching from a, a normal 1QB league to a 2QB league and you just want to start over, whatever it is. You might want to start drafting right now. And that will mean the players, the rookie players, aren't on a team yet. And and they're not in the league. They should be on all platforms by this point. Maybe they're not, but they're on most platforms. My question is, do you then draft those players? Do you put them in the startup draft? Or do you put, like, the rookie picks in the startup draft? Like, rookie pick 101, you could pick somewhere in, you know, the second round or something. Yeah, I think that's a better idea, putting the rookie pick in there, because um, it's essentially putting the players in there. I, I just think having it separate at the end of the day, it gives too much, for the most part, too much of an advantage towards the back end of the first round picks. It's always different. Like, we had, it didn't help. You're saying this because the guy that had 112 in the the startup had 101 in the in the rookie draft. Is that yes, that's saying? how it usually works. Now, it panned out for us. Now, we had also planned around this. Um, so we were able to pick up Mahomes, and then we had planned around taking at 111 and 202. Basically, we wanted Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk, which it heavily panned out, right? I mean, it could have easily have just been Justin Rager, or Jalen Rager and Brandon Ayuk, and then we would have been screwed. Um, so that definitely panned out. But, like, that whole thing... Just generally speaking, in most drafts, you can get a good running back in the early part of the draft, and those running backs have been climbing in value in startups. It used to be that unless there was like a Saquon, they weren't going in the first two rounds. Now we generally see those top rookie running backs going towards the first two rounds. Um, I think this year you would see a Najee Harris around round three somewhere. So being able to pick that, pick up that on top of the snake the turn in like 112 and 201 is way too absurd it's way too much value it just it lopsides the league yeah that that's what i was looking into because especially with this year right if you're picking at pick 112 and you're getting someone and then you're picking at pick 101 in the rookie draft you might just have both your quarterback set where trevor lawrence 
he might be going and pick 12 in, in a super flex rookie, yeah. uh, a super flex startup draft. So mm-hmm. you're getting him at pick 101 in, in the uh, rookie draft. So you're just doubling your, your first round picks, which is an insane amount of value, insane amount of value. It, it shouldn't happen. We're definitely against it. We're not proponents of it. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? This brings up a good point, though, because I, I did want to touch on this in the startup section. There's two things I want to talk about. We can do it in either order. The first is trading, and the second is dart throws, later round picks. What do you guys want to do first? Let's do dart throws. Oh, okay. Dart throws. Trading, but dart throws. Okay. So my rule of thumb for dart throws, and I have had mixed success with this, um, is when rookies are in startups around round eight or nine, you can usually get some really good value picks. Um especially with like some running backs and receivers um you know that that is around where guys like justin jefferson were going i believe last year um in our startup it's just 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 to relate this to us in our startup draft for our league that we're currently doing um our starter i took in our startup draft i happened to get calvin ridley dj moore and christian kirk I got all three of those guys in our startup draft in rounds seven on um, just because they were all rookies the same time and everyone was focused on, you know, the actual players and not the rookies in in our draft. And I just lucked out. Obviously, Calvin Ridley and, and DJ Moore penned out more so than Christian Kirk. But taking these rookies, like Frank said, in those later rounds, where they would probably be, you know, a first or second round pick in a rookie draft, it's a, it usually turns out to be a steal. So one thing I do like doing is having players, like for me, it would be Darnell Mooney. He's a guy that I have consensus ranked higher than everyone else on the face of the earth. So I'll just look at his ADP and take him around earlier. Like, well, once you're at that point in the draft, like rounds eight and beyond, the ADP really does not matter. You're just drafting for upside at that point. So I'll just take the guys that I like, and I'll just take them around earlier than everyone else. So I ensure I get them. The other thing I want to say, and now we seg- the segue this into trading, because at the end of the day, dart throws are dart throws, right? There's never going to be a consistent, proven method for dart throws. I think just drafting younger, more unproven players is better than drafting older we've seen what they got they have no upside players you know you just look at championship rosters i can guarantee you the percentage of playoff rosters that had james robinson was a lot was a lot higher than the percentage of playoff rosters without james robinson i don't know if i said that right but basically if you're able to pick up a james robinson a nothing that turns out to be a stable rb1 your playoff chances rise dramatically it was the same thing with james connor a couple years ago so, get upside, guys. Now, the other thing I wanted to say was for trading, do not undervalue in the beginning rounds of the draft, rounds 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Because you're going to be doing a lot of the times a 25-round startup. So, when you're round 3 or round 4, you're going to be saying, Ooh, I could trade up from round 4 or round 5 into round 3. Oh, I'll give up an 8th and a ninth to do that. But then once you get to the 8th and ninth round, you're going to see, holy crap, there's a lot of good players around here. And that usually goes, in most drafts, until around 12 or 13. Once you hit round 13, that's when you hit, like, 
okay, now we're starting to get into into bumblefuck players. You know, so if you're able to define exactly in a draft where the bumblefuck starts, then you give up those picks and trade-ups. You know, you just pile them on. Who cares? Like, you know, that that's where I like in, in trading. Just make sure you're not giving up... Because that, that's one of the things in trading that always screws people, especially with trading future picks. You don't put a face to the name, or a name to the pick, a face to the pick. Don't be the guy that doesn't put faces to the pick. Know what you're trading away. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. Like I said earlier, like, that middle of the draft rounds, you know, 6 to 10, 6 to 12, whatever it is, um where the, you know, the, the players start dropping off and uh, it's just random dart throws and players you like, that is the meat of your team. Do not undervalue the meat of your team. Yeah, it might be all cool to like trade up and get the flashy pick in round three, but th those guys in rounds five, six, seven, eight, nine, those are going to be starters on your team, and, and those are guys cannot be undervalued. Um, a couple of things that are just coming to me off the top of my head. I never trade future picks in a startup draft. I will very rare. I've only done it once, and I didn't like it at the time. Um, I just think it's an easy way to bone yourself. You know, ha like that one rule we had was half the startup draft is just not boning yourself, and then the other half is just putting your team in a, in, in a spot to succeed. Um, you know, most of the succeeding is just not boning yourself, though. Um, so instantly unless i unless i know the unless you're very calculated and you know the values of these picks like i have a rule of thumb that a random ass first round pick is usually equated to a mid fourth round pick in a startup generally speaking right because the mid fourth round of your startup you're gonna have your good picks you're gonna have your really good players and you're gonna have your damn Kenyon drakes it's just gonna happen every year so if if that's the point where okay, we start getting some really wacky picks going on, that's where I throw in my first-round pick. Um, so just uh, that's just my rule of thumb. You can value it differently, and it probably varies draft to draft. But generally speaking, I never trade future picks. It's just a way that you will have a bad time. And you're going to be thinking, when you get to the rookie draft a year from then, if you traded away all your future picks before the rookie hype, you're going to be like, damn, hmm, I didn't do as well as I was expecting in my startup because startups are a shit show to begin with. Only if I had that first round pick, you know? Would would you do the flip side, though, where say you're picking in the fifth round and you didn't like what you're seeing and someone offered you their first round rookie pick for it? Would you trade your fifth round startup for that? 100%. I saw a dude... Um, in a startup, I forget exactly who the players were for, but basically he traded from pick one to pick two, and he picked up a first-round pick, and he got the player he wanted. Uh, I think it was it Mahomes. It was either like Mahomes or Rogers. He he like he wanted a quarterback in a super flex league, and he just traded down a pick, got a first-round pick for it, so the other guy could take like like a Saquon or something. Got the quarterback he wanted and then was set. He's been one of the best teams in the league ever since. He's obviously a very calculated player who knew who knew what he was doing. Um, and I just lastly, I just want to harp it for a super flex league. You're not going to get a better time to buy the damn quarterbacks in the startup draft. I saw there was a stock trader that got into fantasy football 
And he developed a strategy that I've seen employed where he will draft five quarterbacks in a row um, just to create a huge void in the market with the high-quality quarterbacks. That is a completely valid strategy. Now, you're kind of... I think that's better if you're buying in for the long haul. If you're doing a draft with a bunch of random people and you don't know how long this league is going to go on, then you have to discount future picks more and discount strategies like that more because you don't know what the hell is going to go on in five years if you're going to be in the league or not. Whereas if you're in a league with a bunch of your buddies or maybe it's like a high-stakes league that you know, okay, five, ten years down the line, this league is going to be going on, then those strategies become a lot more viable and the discount on future picks should become a whole lot less. So, you know, it, with that in mind, that's how you should value the future picks a little bit in these drafts. And so some guys out here offering like, oh, I'll give you a 2024 second rounder, a 2027 second rounder. Like, okay, well, if the league, if I don't know the league is going on, then fuck that. But if I know the league is going on, that's great value down the road. Yeah. Um, anything else we have to add to the startup strategy or anything in general? Uh, really quickly, uh, we can go into players we want to target. Okay. I mean, I think we kind of hit it um, when you did it, and you said you wanted all the quarterbacks, basically. <laughs> T- dude, <laughs> I cannot harp it enough. Like, because I've just done, like, this is a strategy I've done. I think other people are catching on because I've just seen the, the ADP of, of good quarterbacks has risen because, I mean, I've seen drafts, like, last year, and two years ago where I was able to get Russell Wilson in the later parts of the second round, now I see he's what I had him worth as like a late first-round consensus pick, and I see him going there. Like I saw like Dak Prescott in some drafts to go in the second round. And do not panic. Like if, if your league mates are not drafting quarterbacks early, then just snatch them up, dude. And that's this kind of the last thing I will say about startup strategies, right? Because um, we, we had talked about trading down a little bit, but not necessarily trading up. If you look online, a whole lot of people will bash trading up. And for good measure, every single data analytics source will usually say, unless you are getting a complete bargain for the trade up, if it's a fair value trade up, you're usually losing. Because dart picks in general are dart throws, so having more dart throws is always having is always better than having less. It's how it works in the real draft, too, in the NFL. And teams know this. But I think that trading up is becoming a little bit more viable with the recent trend of things, especially in Superflex, mainly only in Superflex, because people are realizing how important quarterbacks are and how scarce the good quarterback market is. When you look at consensus rankings, there are, like, eight quarterbacks that I value as first-round picks, like 100% value. If I can get two of those and trade up for two of the, like, if I have to trade up for one of those guys, dude, fuck yeah, I will trade up for one of those guys. Like, I will give up some later-round dart throw picks so that I can get my two quarterbacks that I know can carry me to a championship. Yeah, I agree. Quarterbacks in a super flex league. So where it's where the, the money is made, usually. Um, if you guys don't have anything else to add, I, I could throw in something for us to wrap it up on, um, if you guys are cool with that. So, we're talking quarterbacks, we're talking super flex. Um, you know, Carson Wentz was the most recent quarterback to get traded. 
we had mentioned, you know, week four or five, that the the QB landscape was going to be so different this upcoming year and two or three years down the window, right? And it's already starting to pan out. I mean, I don't want to call us like oracles or anything. I think it was pretty easy to see at the time. Um, but now it's time to, to call on you guys for predictions, right? We kind of all thought Carson Wentz would be going to the Colts. The fit almost made too much sense, um, you know, being that he's going to link up with Frank Reich, his old OC. So now the question is, it's a lot more unstable. We don't have as many rumors in the rumor mill. Who do you guys think the next quarterback is that's going to get traded, and where is he going to? I mean, I think the easy answer is obviously Deshaun Watson. Um, I think there's a few. I think he's going to end up going to the Jets. I just think they have too much draft capital, and and, and just you know that franchise has has not been good in too long to pass up on a guy of Deshaun Watson's caliber. Even if, like, I think they'll end up getting probably a second-round pick, um, maybe a late first for Sam Darnold, depending on how teams value him. Because I do think Sam Darnold isn't, you know, a washed prospect. I think he just happened to go to a, a pretty unfortunate situation and that the Jets really had nothing. But I, I think that's the next domino to fall here. I think a lot of the other ones will follow after the big one goes down. I don't know what team he's going to. Maybe the Patriots. But Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a good one. I like that one too. I for for both years I just I know obviously both teams are, are saying things just cuz like they're trying to keep the value of the player up cuz like if the league knows that you're trying to trade the player then the value of the player obviously goes down. But it seems like both teams are like, oh, we don't really want to trade these guys. Like, not the value like they're worth. Or at least with the Texans, it's like this person is literally a franchise quarterback. And with the, the 49ers, they're like, we're higher on Jimmy G than anyone else is, so why are we going to trade him? Um, but with that being said, I think I got to go with Jake and agree that Deshaun gets traded. But I think it might be to the Panthers. I've seen the Panthers making a lot of deals recently where they're – I mean, every team does it. They release players for cap space. Like, the players aren't worth as much as what they're currently paying them for. So if they cut their contract, uh, they, they get to save money. But the, the Panthers are the one that I just keep noticing are making these restructuring deals. They're cutting players. They're just freeing up more cap space for the team. Where I, I think that could be a player like Deshaun Watson ended up there. Uh, although, although... One that's out, like, you know, just way off the, not way off the radars, but not being talked about enough is I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys franchise uh, tag Dak and traded him to another team. I, I wouldn't be surprised at that point. Uh, if you guys have anything to add, uh, feel free. Oh, man, they, the, the more that they put off that damn contract, the more that the Cowboys just get worse. It, it's been like that for the past I, two years. I think it's they a point in our They should have signed it. They should have signed him two years ago. Honestly, like they—he's wanted this contract extension forever, um, and they—he's earned it. He's it more than earned it. Like, I agree. I'm not saying he hasn't. I'm just saying they should have paid him a long oh, time yeah, ago. Oh yeah, like I and I agree with JT. Honestly, I think I think it might be past the point of no return at this point for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I think the relationship between Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott might be finally at its wit's end. Um, 
And I, I think it's a good call on your part, JT. Um, and I don't agree with you that often. Dude, just Thanks. look at how <laughs> different the Cowboys team was with Dak and without. Just, like, you saw those couple of games right after they lost Dak. Like, just the the lack of energy that team had. Dude, Mike McCarthy had to start smashing watermelons with a sledgehammer <laughs> yeah. to finally get that team to rally around something. Uh, I, it there's very rare, like, it, it's very hard to get a franchise quarterback in, in your grasp. And it's even harder to screw it up like the Cowboys have. But I just think they're <laughs> going to do it further. They're going to they're gonna mess it up further. It is it is the point of no return. Like, if they were going to get a deal done with him, it would have been done sooner. It doesn't make sense that you're dragging it out all this long. Especially now that Dak's just climbing in value because we've seen what he's worth. I, they're just going to cut ties with him, which I... I don't want them to. I mean, to be honest, I don't really care about the Cowboys. I'm a Patriots fan. We got no connection. But, like, it makes no sense for the team to actually cut ties with him. I don't want them to for the NFL's sake. But if they're willing to send him to the Patriots, come here, Dak. We'll take you, Dak. We'll appreciate you. I think almost all the league would take Dak, <laughs> yeah. minus a very select. Apparently, teams. Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. <laughs> all right. Anyways, I think that does it for today. Yep. Episode 25 in the books, kind of a short one. Uh, but, you know, short's not always a bad thing. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, hope to see you next week. Subscribe, rate, review, whatever, podcast, YouTube. Thank you. Peace, guys.